what's up i'm miracle brooks and this episode is called culture from me to you where we will dive into speaking about and to the people who are closest to me more specifically about my african-american culture culture is one of those innate teachings of life where you get to express yourself through a canvas and paint through notes heard by a string the millions and billions of hair on your head the cloth on your back the words that perform pictures before your eyes and the sizzle smelt from a skillet cooking a homemade meal. But people exert their culture every day without even realizing it. However, I'm here to tell you, it is what makes everyone unique in the world as interesting as it is. Today, I will cover the three F's that profess why I am as passionate about my culture as I am, all while explaining with the help of my own family. First F stands for food. The term soul food is often attached to African American culture, although everyone has their own idea of what it is to them. Many of the foods that are associated with soul food are fried, boiled, or roasted. A dish that I enjoy in my African American culture is oxtail, but you may know this widely as a Caribbean dish. The roots of oxtail actually stem from slaves being given scraps of food from their slave owners and having to survive. Therefore, it can also just be considered a predominantly African descendant dish. No doubt, many of the foods are linked to physical problems in the African American community, like high blood pressure and high cholesterol. However, when you think about the aspect of the desire for survival and the fact that African Americans' health were never a priority, it makes sense on why these foods are so popular in my community. topic, I think I should address the stereotype that still hangs over the heads of many African Americans. Not all of us like fried chicken, watermelon, or Kool-Aid. In 2018, NYU had apologized for having a menu during Black History Month that consisted of the beverages, watermelon-flavored water, and Kool-Aid. I assume the person, or people rather, who coordinated this did not intend for it to be as offensive as it is, as it did make a CW news. However, there is some sort of ignorance associated with thinking that this would help their African-American students feel more at home. To break down the popularity of these three things, African-Americans often bought and ate chickens because of how cheap they were. Watermelons were sold by free slaves, which signified their freedom, and Kool-Aid was cheap and often used by poor African-Americans. However, due to fried chicken and watermelon being eaten with your fingers, people would claim that African Americans were dirty, and Kool-Aid became an indicative that African Americans were poor. As said in the words of a professor from the University of Missouri, menus like NYU's Black History Month are a way to express racial content without getting into serious trouble. Now, you may think for this to be the first of the three F's and it would have some sort of substance. And it does. It's not just the food that makes me so passionate about my culture. It's the fact that the food helps to remember my culture. History is so hard to keep up with because the most people that 
lived whatever tragedy are not alive to give their own account. Just like a holiday that emphasizes its own historical significance, the food that I eat every holiday has its own history behind it as well. F number two stands for flair. I'd consider this F to be the most influential of all as it outlines the African-American influences on the fashion and music industry. 1917 marked the year of the very first recording of jazz being recognized and released by an all-white band. Now, the controversy comes into play when time is not taken out to acknowledge who you derived the music from. The African-Americans of New Orleans. They did not even get copyrighted. However, this is not the first time African-Americans have been ripped off from getting the rewards they deserve. But that's a topic for another day. Street lights, a whole lot of stuff, the washing, a whole lot of stuff we made. We're not got, got credit for. Even we have Wall Street. A lot of people don't know, but we, we made a lot of stuff to make a lot of things that black people to rubble. Spirituals, also known as gospels, are where all African-American music comes from. However, they marked the days of slavery, so we wanted other categories to be associated with. Hence the genres of jazz, blues, rock and roll, pop, funk, R&B, and hip-hop. Honestly, all the genres most people listen to today. The whole Black Harlem movement took the world by storm, as products of it were poets like Langston Hughes and Zoe Neale Hurston, musicians like Billie Holiday and Louis Armstrong. So... So many black artists had finally been given a place to share their gifts after years of being enslaved physically and mentally. Black people were able to empower each other and make names for themselves. From there on, African Americans have dominated the music industry ever since. Dating back in the 60s, the first black woman to be on Vogue, Danielle Luna, wore acrylics while posing to be on the cover of Tween magazine. Then, in the 70s, Florence Griffith Joyner, an African-American track star who is still regarded to as the fastest woman alive today, wore long, bright acrylics while running her races. SWV was an R&B trio in the 80s who wore similar acrylics. The 90s have the influence of rap, as Missy Elliott and Lil' Kim's dollar note-inspired nail set is now permanently featured at the Museum of Modern Art and is the first set of nails to ever be displayed there. Today, Rap is the most popular genre of music in America, of which is the product of the Mike of Bronx natives in the 70s, but today has taken over the globe. I mean, the lesson go on about those who stood out with, prolifically was Tupac and, and, and Big Pun. Oh, Karis won because they spoke, they had bars, not just had bars, but they spoke about the culture, they spoke what was going on, what we could do to change it, and Actually, a lot of things that's going on today, they kind of like predicted it. Despite the influences of acrylics and rap, there's always a bad weight carried in the black community by rapping or wearing acrylics and were often seen as ghetto. However, when a person of another race wears acrylics or raps, they are not attacked in the way that a black person would be and are often praised. That's where most frustration in the black community comes from, not giving credit where it's due or discriminating against the black community from benefiting from their own contributions. 
not to mention the changes in hair over the years, many black people would assimilate themselves to mimic the idea that slicker hair is better and relax their own hair, which loosens their kinks. Hence the statement coming from my multiracial grandfather. It was it was tough in a way. I mean, not not super tough, but I had to have a lot of fights because a lot of black kids didn't like me. Definitely a lot of white kids didn't like me either. A lot of black guys didn't like me because of curly hair and all that kind of stuff. So um, I had to find my own way. It's not that the black men didn't like him because of his hair, it's that they were told to hate their own. So they wanted to react in a way where they could portray their insecurities onto him. Back in slavery times, mixed race people were regarded to as black. However, their European features were up to standard enough for them to receive better treatment. Today, you see African Americans wear their curls, furrows, twists, the free spirit of locks, the braids of which were originally used in Africa for defining tribes, social status, and other societal classifications to mapping escape routes for slaves. And yet still in 2017, according to a 70-year-old in Florida, her teacher told her that her hair needed to be fixed and it was not neat. Something that she was born with, she was not able to wear in her teacher's classroom. For African Americans to be stripped from their African culture, they still have made their own culture that has, in a way, influenced the world globally. And despite all the trials and tribulations that they have went through, they have still managed to keep their culture alive. Last but not least, we reach the last F, folks. In African-American communities, there's always a family aspect and you're always taught morals while young. Yep, let's start the segregation uh, that um, they started. Uh, um, and also, back then, um, we in the school, it, it, it erupted in, like in a game war with the white and blacks because of uh, segregation was coming in. And the school had to apply with what the state said. So some of the people, and, you know, and people had to realize, hate is taught. It's, and that's yeah. the sad part. It's taught. It's not like it's, 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 it's not just, you're not born with it because you, you're born it when you become a little kid. You, you don't see black and white. You, that's your friend. That's your friend. But as you grow older, a parent teach the kids hate. They are taught that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when we come in, when in the school ground, when it was, it was up in the uproar for a little while. It got got straight out then, but they used to have chain and everything. We used to fight because of the because of the segregation of being together as black and white. So wow. that thing change. Continuing from my grandma's story, it can be said that being African American means to have the ability to be resilient. It takes pressure to build a diamond, but that same pressure could break glass. What do you mean? We're, we're, we're clean. She's gonna come to get Whoa. the house. Really? Yeah. Wow. What? What? Well, yeah, yeah. They, they, but it's a long story. Okay. 
Because yeah. the Ku Klux Klan were going to come and get to your house? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, Green that made a way to get him up here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because it was, we were signed that we. Y'all we, were in Alabama, right? No, huh? In Georgia. No, Georgia. We were Georgia. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm going to Georgia. It's prejudice all over the world. Yeah. It, it, it was very prejudiced. The clip that you just heard featured myself talking to my grandmother and great-grandmother about our family. I truly did not know that my family had once lived in Georgia before moving to Abington. However, it was not out of wanting to move. It was because my great-great-grandfather had talked back to a white man, which resulted in the Ku Klux Klan chasing after my family. What made it so difficult for her my great-grandmother, to speak during this was the fact that she lived these horrors and her life story is a real account of horrors that are experienced by many that have the same or similar story to tell. Yet she still raised children and supported her beliefs despite having been a witness of the 1930s. When I marched, Madonna marched with him, well, no, you know, uh, I Spencer's been telling me, love it. You know, we got the, all these kids here. And, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. I said, yeah, I know that. That's the reason I'm going. After listening to my great-grandmother speak about all her experiences, especially her march with Martin Luther King Jr., I realized something. One thing that distinguishes an African-American from an American is not just the fact that the African-American is a descendant of Africa, but the fact that African-Americans do not live the American dream. I admire the strength that my people have to be able to look someone in the face whom do not like them at all and still fight for them to tolerate them. The three F's, food, flair, and folks, are all accents to every culture that help to distinguish what people belongs to. It's just something about being part of a community of people where you can automatically click with someone because you each share a memory or two that is alike from your culture. Being a black American without true knowledge of what your ethnicity is is one of the most difficult things as you're too African for the Americans and too American for the Africans. It's so tiring to have to code switch all the time. And throughout the span of life, many African-Americans have denounced their roots in efforts to fit in with others. Despite these efforts, over the years, this mindset has changed and more and more people of African descent desire to know more about who they are. It gives you a sense of belonging, identity, if you will. And yet, if we're not a part of the same culture, it doesn't separate me from you. Instead, it helps me understand why me and you think differently. Oh, 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 oh,